the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I want to welcome to our program now a member of the Ohio Republican Party's State Central Committee in District 5. You probably also have heard of her as a representative of Ohio Stands Up, and she is Jessica Franz, who joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer, to talk about the state of the ORP after Friday's very, very strange meeting and uh, the stay of execution that was engineered by Bob Paduchik, uh when it comes to his chairmanship of the party. Uh, Jessica, thanks for the time this morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on this morning. I appreciate it. I appreciate the work you did on that substack. My goodness, did you go to town. You really, really covered everything up one side and down the other when it comes to the state of the state central committee, the state of the ORP, and, uh, you know, why you decided to run. First of all, congratulations, uh, on, on your victory there. And then you talk about, um, you know, that first meeting. So, uh, we covered it pretty well with Jack Windsor and a number of others <clears throat> leading up to Shannon Burns also leading up to this past Friday's meeting, at which Bob Paduchik should have uh, held and conducted as the chair uh, what the bylaws say that he should have conducted and held, and that is elections for the top five positions um, in the new uh, in the new state central committee. But he used a unique rule, uh, kind of a back room kind of a, a situation. He managed to uh, delay the election that was supposed to be held on Friday until next January. Can you tell us more about that, please? Sure. So I went into this meeting with the clear purpose to show that you know, the chairman is not following Ohio law or the bylaws. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just taken an oath to uphold the Constitution, to up- uphold the o- ORP bylaws, and I wasn't about to go along with a reorganizational meeting, which is what it had been referred to in the letter he sent out in early August to all of these state central mm-hmm. committee members. So I had read ORC 3517.04, I had read through our bylaws, I had talked to many people who have been in the political realm much longer than I have, I had sought legal opinion, and there was only one conclusion that I could make. Uh, the, The meeting that we were holding was not a reorganizational meeting, it was to be an organizational meeting. Mm -hmm. So we've got the ORC 3517.04, which governs organizational meetings for state central committees, and it clearly states that state central committee members shall meet following the declaration of the results by the Board of Elections at a suitable time and place designated by the retiring uh, chairman in accordance with the party rules. Now, some would argue that the law doesn't specify that the organizational meeting is necessarily the quote-unquote first meeting following the election of members, and therefore the organizational meeting could take place at the second meeting, which would be in January. But here's where things get really confusing. The law clearly states, quote, in accordance with party rules. So what do our party rules, otherwise known as the bylaws, state? While in Article 1, Section 2, it states unequivocally that organization is to take place at, quote, the first meeting 
of the State Central Committee following the election and qualification of its members, end quote. So at this point, the bylaws are in agreement with state law, but that would mean changing out a chairman in the middle of election season. So at some point, Article 2, Section 1 was added, which the chairman referred to, uh, which states that, quote, during January of each odd-numbered year, the committee shall meet and elect its officers by a majority vote, end quote. So now the problem that state central committee members are facing is that neither Article 2, Section 1, or Article 1, Section 2 of the bylaws are consistent with Ohio Revised Code if the first meeting following our election isn't held in January, which was the argument I was trying to make before Chairman Paducek at our meeting. I said, and I did kind of put this squarely on his shoulders because he is the retiring chairman to call for our first meeting. And I said, look, you didn't have to put us in this position. You could have called for the meeting in January. Then we would have been in compliance with both the Ohio Revised Code and uh, with our bylaws. But uh, as everyone knows by now, the meeting was uh, pushed forward. And a lot of us, myself included, were very uncomfortable knowing that this was indeed supposed to have been our organizational meeting, but it was run as a reorganizational meeting, meaning that he just picked up right where he left off with the old committee. Wow. That's a very thorough explanation. And I'm following along on your Substack. And for those who want to follow along and read what uh, Jessica Franz is talking about here, you can do so as well. I have it linked to alwayswrite.us right now. Uh, to Jessica Substack, and so when you talk about Article One, Section Two of the ORC, or, or, excuse me, of the of, of the bylaws versus Article, uh, maybe I'm getting them backwards. I'm sorry. Article One, Section Two is the bylaws. Article Two, Section One is the ORC. Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so I do understand that there is a little bit of confusion there, and it can be done a couple of different ways. What was Bob Paduchik's reaction to you when you presented this directly to him as the quote unquote outgoing chairman? Um, really, he referred to, I think, the Brickler and Eckler opinion, which they are the uh, legal firm that wrote up our bylaws. Our parliamentarian also works for Bricker and Eckler. And basically, the Brickler, Bricker and Eckler opinion, what they really argue for when they get down, get down into the weeds of it is that they think that if 3517.04 went before a court of law, it would be most likely ruled unconstitutional. Well, there's a couple problems with that argument. First of all, they're not a court. A court opinion has not been issued. So until a court opinion has been issued on that, we are to follow Ohio law. Um, Secondly, others would argue that no, it would not be ruled unconstitutional because Ohio law absolutely can provide for the structure of a uh, and it and does provide for the um, process for a smooth transition of power within a party to help eliminate internal strife within Ohio political parties that could undermine confidence in the political process, which is what we're seeing among Ohio Republican voters right now. Um, trust has been damaged and um, confidence in our political process because we aren't following the law and the bylaws um, our voters are beginning to really question what is going on. You know, it's um, it's interesting the argument that was made by uh, the the law firm and by by Paducic himself is you don't change leadership in the middle of an election cycle, sixty days out from an election, et cetera. And 
Yet I think it's the presence of these type of uh, almost mafia don um, mm-hmm. uh, figures like Bob Paduchik who would do more damage to the Republican cause in this election cycle than they could uh, th- than there would be if we were elected new leadership. I mean, I, you you even stated on your on your Substack. Uh, he's demonstrating to the new committee just how far he will go to retain his position by ignoring the Ohio Revised Code and the bylaws. And for those who have been following his actions on the committee, it comes as no surprise. His leadership of the party, if you study the history of his leadership of the party, you can expect him again to silence those seeking to hold the committee accountable to its bylaws. This is what he does. It's 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 like yeah. an old school mafia don. He is a thug. He will silence anybody. Uh, he will make everybody uh, afraid to cross him, uh, which is exactly why I think you probably you included a link in your Substack to an article written by John Morrow that says the Ohio Republican chairman is destroying the credibility of the party. And I think that's accurate. How can that possibly be a good thing for a Republican 60 days out from an election? Right, right. And when I have, you know, party leadership reaching out to me, not not within my district, but I have had party leadership reach out to me. I have had um, Republican voters within my district reach out to me and say, we feel completely disenfranchised. We have no voice. Um, and we're thinking about not even voting. Uh, that's in the general election. That's alarming. That that is incredibly alarming. Exactly. Um, and but how can you blame them when we have a chairman who believes and has already spent millions on unendorsed candidates and believes that he has unlimited discretionary spending? And as state central committee members, we are to represent our constituents. We're not to delegate our viewpoints to an unelected executive. Right. And our chairman chairman currently has a history of silencing those who are critical of the party, not following its own bylaws. He refers any resolutions that are brought forth to hold the party accountable to their own bylaws to committees that never meet. Anyone disagreeing with him uh, was removed from committee assignments last year. So, yeah, I, I think a, a good argument. He's a thug, and that's that how he runs this. Has already yeah. been done. And and not to mention yeah. there, not to mention there's the corruption question. Not to mention the yeah. fact that there, are, according to the bylaws, there's supposed to be an annual audit. Mark Bainbridge has moved to make this audit happen. Uh, he continues to stop that as well. There's questions of what six hundred and forty thousand dollars, I think, that are uh, that is unaccounted for. Um, you know, uh, in in terms of the statement from December third of this past year, the financial statements of 2017 through 2020 presented by the ORP Treasurer incorrectly recorded an accounts receivable balance of approximately six hundred forty thousand dollars. So, and I've heard three hundred thousand dollars thrown around. The point being. Nobody knows where the county or the party finances are. Nobody knows where that money is, where it's going, and whether or not whether or not it's being used legally, you know, lawfully. Um, and and the chairman won't allow that transparency to happen. Right, right. So this this is why I think one of the things that the state central committee might want to consider exploring for the future is to have two separate roles because currently Chairman Paducek is serving as both chairman and CEO. So I firmly believe, and there are others on the committee that believe this as well, that the chairman should be selected from amongst the state central committee members after the primary election. Uh, He should have powers 
associated with a chairman like unto a board of directors. The chairman should be an unpaid position, which is only compensating for expenses. The chairman should preside over the meetings, but he would not oversee the day-to-day operations of the party. And then, of course, he'd be responsible for appointing chairs to subcommittees. And that should be one position, and that person should be selected from among the state central committee members. And then we should have a CEO. This could be a full-time compensated position, a person that runs the day-to-day business of the party, runs the campaigns, should be hired by contract, not elected, and that the CEO really shouldn't be involved with internal conflicts of the board. And we should be providing as a committee, we should provide the process for that uh, CEO search. And I believe this also should be done after November's general election. So we would hire or renew that contract um, possibly in, in January. And there would be a, a time where that position could be advertised before we hire. So I think that would help to decentralize some of the power and some of the abuse that we're seeing taken place by a chairman who is serving in both capacities as chairman and CEO. Um, of course, that's just one reform that we could talk about. There's, there's many others. Um, I think in order for the party to move forward with sound policy and without dissension and internal strife, We've got to have policy that everyone can agree upon, so that means we need to have conversations that involve the entire central committee. We, we right. can't have the we can't be operating with backroom deals and, and it, while accusing others of doing that, we can't be doing that no, ourselves. Those, those, so. are the only kind, those, those are the only kind of deals he knows. That's why he fears transparency so much. And uh, right. I would argue that his CEO title is cowardly executive officer because he won't talk <laughs> with anybody who isn't willing to kiss his rear end or his ring. Yeah. He won't talk to media like me. He won't talk to media like Jack Windsor. He boots them out of, of meetings and, and, uh, uh, and votes uh, because it's not favorable coverage for him. Um, and, and he's looking out for himself, not for the constituents of the uh, of the Ohio Republican Party, um, which is why this is so egregious, which is why I have challenged him and we have called him, we have emailed him, we have texted his guy. He will not talk to anybody that gives him. That's why, like you said, he boots people who disagree with him from committee uh, committees. Um, and, and that's just what thugs do. Uh, briefly, Jessica, you wrote about Brian Williams as well, who has announced his candidacy for chairman. Would he be a markedly different chairman to your understanding right now? And I know you're new to the to the um, uh, to the committee, but uh, would he be a, a different uh, type of leader than Paducek, given the fact that the two of them were in lockstep when it came to endorsing uh, embattled Governor Mike DeWine? Well, as you're, as you're already aware, several names were shared. Mm-hmm. Um, for a potential new new chair, Jim Renacy was one of those names. Brian mm-hmm. Williams was one of those names. Um, Mr. Williams was posited by many of the state central committee uh, members that I have spoken to as the best possible candidate for reasons cited that he had a track record of helping conservatives get elected. He is also a state central committee member, and he knows so he wouldn't be coming from outside of the membership, mm-hmm. and he knew how to fundraise. But... I would argue, again, and I think you've already touched on this, I don't believe that this is what my constituents from District 5, this is, this is the candidate that they are looking for. Um, in looking at Mr. Williams' history, he has openly supported the endorsement of Mr. DeWine before the primary. He did not spoke. He is currently the vice chair, and as far as I'm aware, he has not spoken up uh, when millions of dollars of discretionary spending 
had been given to DeWine without the approval of the committee by Chairman Paducek. So I think um, what my constituents would expect from me is if this is the direction that the committee decides to go, they're going to want some some concessions. They're, they're going to want some things in writing. They're going to want him to publicly pledge to support the committee in making reforms, such as the addition of a whistleblower policy and a code of ethics to the bylaws. Um, they want his support in ending primary endorsements, which is one of the loudest um, complaints that I hear coming through. So in the primary endorsements in contested elections already. Yep. Um, and finally, they would want his um, pledge for a full review of the bylaws so that they conform to Ohio law so that uh, we're never put in this position again as state central committee members where we feel like we have to choose between obeying the law and the bylaws or going along with the directives of the chairman. Yeah, and making sure that the bylaws are followed, including the annual audit. So that Absolutely. This, uh, yeah, that, that's a big part of this, too, if you want to regain the trust of the of the voters and the constituents in, in your district and others. So uh, Jessica Franz is uh, the Ohio State Central Committee representative now for District 5. She is calling out Bob Paducic, the current leadership. Last thing before you go, I'm already late, but super quick. Do you think that in the next three and a half months, now that this has happened, um, he will be successful in flipping three or four or whatever number of uh, votes that he would need to retain his his chair. That's a great question, and that's why I he think did again. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a great question. I, that, that's going to come back to, you know, we're in a we're in a place now where we really need to be having some conversations amongst the all of the state central committee to see where everyone is at with with Mr. Paducic and his leadership. We, we do have, you know, several state central committee members have been very vocal about where they are at, and others have kind of stayed in the shadows and have been reluctant to express that. So there needs to be an invitation to more meetings that all state central committee members can come to to talk about, you know, is it acceptable to have a chairman who is okay with giving millions of dollars to an unendorsed candidate. Is that okay yeah. with you? Some hard questions. Well, those those individual members who are silent, like you, the ones who are silent are remaining quiet about this. I mean, they have no choice. Look at the way he treats dissenters. Look at the way he treats anybody, anybody who dares cross him. Like I said, I hate to keep going back to the same, you know, same description, but I mean, it is. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's like a thug mafia boss, as far as I'm concerned, and everybody is afraid to cross him or else they're going to get whacked. Politically speaking, they're going to get whacked. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jessica Friends, I appreciate you doing what you're doing. Keep up the great work. Again, again, to all of the listeners, read Jessica's very detailed explanation of where things are in the ORP, in the State Central Committee, uh, on her Substack page. It's J. Franz, F-R-A-N-Z. No relation. I've got a T in mind, by the way. Uh, and, uh, and and read that. I've got her linked up at my webpage to make it easy for you at alwayswrite.us. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, keep us posted of new, new developments as you become aware of them. We'd love to have you back. Will do. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. You got it. Thank you so much. It's 1127. We'll be back.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.